According to something called The Guardian, which is a self-styled British newspaper thing with financial links to Bill Gates, someone called Professor Martin Marshall, who is described as the chair of the Royal College of General Practitioners, is quoted as having said, open quotes, The narrative being peddled that remote consultations are substandard to those delivered in person is dangerous, close quotes. I suspect the quote was accurate because it fits The Guardian's new status as a propaganda sheet, little more than a government press release with a sports page and a knitting pattern attached. I don't read The Guardian, so I don't know whether they do have a knitting pattern, but it would be appropriate. Marshall also reported that the problem in general practice is not that GPs aren't seeing patients face-to-face, but that there is a shortage of GPs. Now, I'm reluctant to criticise Professor Marshall, the chair of the Royal College of General Practitioners, but I'm going to. I think that if he really said all that, then he was talking through an inappropriate orifice. Indeed, in dog Latin, the traditional language of medical men throughout history, I would describe it as onus bollocks, which when translated turns out to be a load of bollocks. And he's wrong about the number of GPs, too. There are plenty of GPs. The problems are entirely a result of working practices which seem designed to fit in with the new digital world, whereby everything is done remotely. Children are taught by computer, and cash will disappear. Today's GPs are swamped with aides, assistants, pointless busybodies, and computers. They would, perhaps, be more efficient if they made their lives a little simpler. They've allowed themselves to be dragged into a stifling bureaucracy which has resulted in GPs being separated from their patients. Most GPs seem to have little or no understanding of their patients' real needs. There's far too much jabbing and far too little caring. Professor Marshall and other members of the medical establishment are, I suspect, on the defensive because GPs are being attacked for insisting on providing their patients with telephone consultations or video consultations instead of proper face-to-face consultations. When the COVID-19 hoax started, GPs used the threat of some sort of plague as an excuse to pretty well close their surgeries. There was even talk of doctors refusing to give essential life-saving injections because they regarded any contact with patients as being too dangerous for them to consider. Traditional medical ethics about putting patients first, even if it meant putting oneself at risk, would have been tossed out of the window if they'd found a member of staff brave enough to open a window. There never was a plague, of course. The figures prove that fewer people died in the last 18 months than would have died in an average sort of year. The figures show that COVID-19 was never any more dangerous than the annual flu which indeed it was, and some members of the medical establishment now accept this. They're moving on to the next stage in Agenda 21, using the absurd unscientific myth of global warming as an excuse for keeping patients at arm's length. Those doctors who claim that a telephone consultation or a chat via a laptop screen is an excellent substitute for a consultation in the surgery are practising a different sort of medicine to the sort I was trained to practise. My friend Dr Colin Barron agrees with me that even a Zoom consultation is a damn poor substitute for a proper consultation with the two participants actually in the same room at the same time. 
When I practised as a GP, the rule was simple. I only ever did phone consultations at nights or at weekends and bank holidays, and at the end of every phone consultation, I asked if the patient was satisfied or wanted a home visit. I'm sure most doctors did the same. I reckon that no more than 10% of consultations can be safely or satisfactorily conducted on the telephone alone. Most consultations require some sort of some degree of physical examination, even if only to provide reassurance. Astonishingly, around 50% of GPs now say that a return to pre-hoax numbers of face-to-face consultations won't be possible, and around 80% say it isn't necessary. Amazingly, 57% of GPs say the flexibility of remote consultations has benefited care overall. I wonder if the patients who spent hours trying to get through to their doctor, or even to a receptionist, would agree that care has benefited. The truth is that the GP service is now not fit for purpose, and is a main reason why ambulances can't cope and why accident and emergency services at hospitals are appalling. The fact is, of course, that there was never, never any medical reason for doctors to stop doing face-to-face consultations. There was never any need for social distancing. Masks were always doing more harm than good and killing thousands of patients. Refusing to see patients face-to-face was based on entirely false, unscientific fear and was, I'm afraid, a potent mixture of stupidity and laziness. It isn't difficult to find evidence supporting my claim. When a doctor talks to a patient on the phone or gets brave and allows her camera image to intermingle with the patients, she has a number of disadvantages. She can't listen to the patient's chest, she can't palpate his or her abdomen, she can't look in the eyes or the ears, she can't put a finger into any relevant orifices, she can't smell ketones, she can't spot the pathonomic hair texture of the patient with myxedema, she can't satisfactorily examine rashes or other skin and nail lesions, she can't provide support or encouragement. It's difficult to offer hope when you're isolated behind a computer screen. And hope, of course, is the true element of humanity. The elderly in particular often find computer cameras intimidating. A doctor trying to examine, diagnose and treat a patient at a distance is working with both hands behind their back, at least. And the evidence is pretty clear. The senior coroner for Greater Manchester reported that five patients who died might have received better treatment more quickly if they'd been examined in person. And what GPs don't seem to realise is that in 2008, Dr Simon Frad analysed over 2,000 telephone consultations conducted by GPs. Each consultation lasted five minutes. Over half had to be followed by a face-to-face consultation lasting 10 minutes. Dr Frad suggests that the current system will lead to a 7% in workload increase compared to seeing all patients in person. Patients generally want to visit the surgery to consult a doctor, says Dr. Frad, and telephone consultations leave neither the doctor nor the patient fully satisfied. This increases GP stress and leads to further appointment requests, yet more work for the GP. At the moment, GPs are less popular than the police, estate agents and traffic wardens, and only slightly more popular than journalists working for the mainstream media. And GPs, I'm afraid, have only themselves to be blamed for this. 
If GPs want to be loved again, then they need to abandon their computer screens and start seeing all their patients in the surgery where they can be properly treated. And Professor Marshall might like to reflect on the thought that if diagnoses and treatments are to be decided by computer, then there won't be any need for human doctors. It has already been established that computers are better at making diagnoses and offer and offering the right treatment than our humans. If GPs don't get back to seeing patients in person, then they'll have to retrain as something else because they won't be needed. And they'll have difficulty in finding a job that pays as well for such short hours and allows them to work from home. And I fear it won't be long before patients start suing doctors for making mistakes because they've relied on phones and computers to make diagnoses and offer treatment. Thank you for watching an old man in a chair. Please subscribe to my channel on Brand YouTube and please spread my videos about on other platforms. Thanks as always to Mohammed Button Brand YouTube for providing the platform. For the record, this channel has not been monetized and none of my videos ever has been. There are no ads, no sponsors and no requests for funds. Please don't forget to watch my friend Dr. Colin Barron's amazing videos, which are always pertinent, always exciting. Read the lightpaper.co.uk and iconic.com. Also visit awakenedpages.co.uk and astandinthepark.org. All the links are available in the description box below. Please visit my websites vernoncolman.org and vernoncolman.com. vernoncolman.com is a bit more old-fashioned, but there's lots more older articles about animals and other issues on there. Finally, although it may feel like it at times, please remember you're not alone. More and more people are waking up. And once they wake, they don't go back to sleep. If we're going to win this war, then we have to fight it with passion, with determination, and with the facts. The facts are all on our side. Distrust the government, avoid mass media, and fight the lies. And thank you for watching an old man in a chair.